Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gun and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in three, two, one. On this week's episode, the Battle of Winterfell has everyone talking. Who could be the next big baddie for the Avengers? And what happens when Sonic the Hedgehog crosses into an uncanny valley? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And also a big thank you for everyone this week who has listened to our live show. Also as well, our spoiler cast for Avengers Endgame. If you've not listened to either of those shows, and we want to go ahead and recommend them highly because we had an awesome time at the Level Up Expo, and we cannot thank them enough. We were able to go ahead and record that and pop that on Monday. Plus, also follow that up with a great Avengers Endgame spoiler cast with a whole bunch of our guys here. Please, please give it a listen on our Pop Culture Cosmos channel. You'll be glad you did. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. He is our Night King Slayer of Humanica Media. You got to check out everything going on today at HumanicaMedia.com, Humanica Media on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and so much more. It is my good friend, ready to talk some Game of Thrones. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? Hey, hey, just uh, doing my thing, you know, just, just looking at some Game of Thrones stuff and getting ready to talk some pop culture with Gerald. What a perfect Thursday. Hey, man, have you recovered yet from your big excursion over here to Las Vegas last week? Yes and no. My wallet has not recovered, but you know I'm, I'm doing okay. It's weird because afterwards I found that I could not get enough sleep. I just wanted to sleep all the time, and I'm still trying to catch up. But it's fun, man. It's a good time. Well worth the exhaustion. Same here. Trying to catch up on sleep after a pretty exhausting three to four days was uh, challenging, but we'll get through it. But I'm glad you got a chance to go ahead and come out here. And then also, I'm so, so glad you got a chance to buy a lot of great stuff at the Level Up Expo and also our good friends at Retro City Games. Go ahead and check out Josh Peterson's social media. You'll see it right there, all the good stuff right there, all the games, all the anime that you got. Can't wait to come back and spend more money. Oh, I mean, uh, come back and uh, you know see us here back here in Las Vegas for more great stuff with Retro City Games. But it is going to be a great show we've got for you today. It's going to be just Josh and I talking out to you today. It's just fun to go ahead and, and 
you know, catch up on a lot of stuff because we know Avengers Endgame is dominating the news. And you know what? Speaking of Avengers, we will be talking about Avengers coming up later in the program, not only with what happened with Avengers Endgame as far as uh, the ultimate demise of a certain individual, but we're just going to share some thoughts with my comic book guru here on who is going to be possibly the at the front of the pack to become the next Thanos within the realm of the Marvel Cinematic Universe whenever the next Avengers or great big huge event comes later on down the line. So we're going to talk about that. Also as well, Josh has some thoughts about Borderlands 3. There was a lot of gameplay footage that was shown. He's going to share his thoughts on that and his excitement for the game coming up later this year. Also, we want to touch upon 13 Reasons Why. It's coming back up in the news as far as some studies that were made, both for and against it. And we're just going to talk a little bit more about 13 Reasons Why and what all the controversy is. And should it still stay on the Netflix channel and experience? And then also, we're going to mention something about Sonic the Hedgehog because a debut trailer came out for it this week. And it has the internet all in an uproar. And we'll explain why coming up later in the episode as well. But first, my friend, I know you wanted to lead off with it. It is the Game of Thrones. Episode 3, I I was actually mistaken. I thought it would just be another setup to the big battle. But once I checked out that it was going to be about an hour and a half long, I realized, hey, I better sit down and, and settle in for a long episode of Game of Thrones because it was the Battle of Winterfell. A lot of stuff went on during the course of Game of Thrones. If you haven't watched it yet, there is going to be some spoilers that we're going to be talking about when it comes to the Battle of Winterfell and also Game of Thrones. So you might want to check in with us a little bit later on or fast forward a little bit. But it's been a few days now, so I think everybody, you know, a lot of people that have been able to catch up on it have caught up on it. So, Josh, I want to hear your thoughts about Battle of Winterfell and then also as well Episode 3 of Game of Thrones as a whole. Just yeah, you know, when you were when you were watching it, uh, you know, I guess the first criticism that a lot of people have is it was pretty dark, and I'm not talking about the mood, the tenor, the actual tone of the episode, but I'm actually talking about look. A lot of people, if based on the television that they had or based off the type of feed they were getting, really had a hard time watching the episode. But the creators and the scriptwriters wanted to convey that night feel. Your thoughts on the actual dark imagery that was the Battle of Winterfell, and do you think that it was a good move to go ahead and, for a, you know, a good part of the actual battle itself, be very difficult to see? Yes and no. I, I get how you know they wanted to portray the intensity of it, the 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 setting. Naturally, they're they're in the north, so things are going to be dark and they're going to be hard to see. But at the same time, like you got to remember this that. You have a, a lot of people are watching this on the HBO app, right? So you have an app that's not straight into somebody's cable box for a lot of people. So you have the app and you're filming what I'm, I'm assuming 30 frames per second and top quality shooting in 4K. And you have these people who don't have the Internet quality to handle something like that. So we have a lot going on on the screen. There's just there's not enough internet to really handle something like that so you don't know if it's like your for me i didn't know if my internet was wigging out or if it was really just filmed poorly so it's 
it's a show, right? Like I, I love the realism of it, but it's a show and they have to to realize that people expect them to take some liberties. Like I would have rather been able to see a lot of that. Like I get the, the part with the snow, with the snow circling around the dragons, but it would have been nice to actually be able to see what was going on. Like it was already a very anxiety filled episode, but it just would have been nice to have some clarity. You know, and it's not just the darkness of it. It was just a really, really fast cuts. And I get that the guy had his hands full and he did the Battle of the Bastards and one other episode. I can't remember. That was a huge thing. That was absolutely massive. And I I commend him. But it just there was some production choices that should have been made differently. But let me do you think that quality matters when it comes to a big battle scene like that? Or would you have rather had the the realness and the grittiness of you know, having the the quick cuts and the smoke flying and not being able to see anything. What are your preferences? It was very difficult to see, especially if you don't have the greatest television or didn't get the greatest feed in the world. My television wasn't shooting out. It was like 720 or something. I wasn't seeing it in 1080p. And it, it was really hard to see at times. And I was getting a little bit frustrated. But I, as a storyteller, when you're looking at it from that point of the of the queue, you got to realize, okay, I'm going to make a lot of people angry, but I want to go ahead and dictate it how I want to dictate it and convey the actual darkness and the vision problems that you're going to have during the course of the battle. I'm going to probably say and lean towards the side of the viewer and say, you know what, you should have made it a little bit more available to watch. But, uh, you know, I, I can't blame them for wanting to go ahead and, and uh, actually – portraying the battle of Winterfell in a, I don't want to say a different light than what most directors or what most presentations would show it. But I, I just wanted to be, even if it's just a little bit lighter, even if it's just a little bit lighter and, and the battle was able to be seen just a little bit clearer, I think that would have helped a lot. And I think that would have alleviated a lot of the arguments there. But I mean, it started off similar to what we saw in a scene in Return of the King where the Dothraki, I think. The Dothraki, yeah. Sorry, I wasn't sure if you were asking me about Lord of the Rings or... or well, no, because it, it's very similar to that scene in Lord of the Rings where, you know, that there's that group that gets sent off to the battle and they get slaughtered. Yeah, Thormir and his... his yeah, his exactly. So the Dothraki, you, you don't even see the battle. You just, you have to get that sense of that they're the, the dead are really that awful, that terrible, that tough, because this group, the Dothraki warriors go in there and, and go for the battle. And then very few of them come out, which kind of made no sense to me why they didn't just stay back in the first place is, is I mean, I, I understand it's their nature to go ahead and battle, but it seemed kind of weird that they alone would be sent out to go ahead and be part of that slaughter. I understand it was to get the sense that, you know, the dead was going ahead and, and proving their worth as far as uh, warriors that were way up and beyond what the Dothraki could be. But you know, if you're actually planning a battle, Josh, are you going to send out a group to die just to die? Well, again, you know, it was dark and I don't think they because you look at Jon Snow and Daenerys, right, when they're standing on that cliff trying to see you, the hell are we looking at, right? I don't think anybody really knew. Nobody could really see what was going on. And so they sent the Dothraki in there. I, I assumed that they were going in there just to kind of scope things out a little bit, but they had a full-on battle scene and they all got slaughtered. So they yeah, did, you know, with those flaming swords, they did not look like they were just going to check things out. Right, right. But I guess like in medieval combat, you always send the horses in first. So I don't, I don't you know, I don't know if that's what they're going for, but I don't think they really knew what they were up against because you don't really see how awful the dead soldiers are until like you see them 
piling themselves up on the ramparts. It's straight up like World War Z horde type situation. And I don't think any of them knew what they were up against until, you know, they saw Jorah riding back on his horse and all the uh, the Dothraki because they never run from anything. Right. They will fight to the death. And even they were terrified riding back towards this. And I think that's what really hammers home like the, the severity of this situation and just what kind of enemy that they're fighting. And I guess that's good, but I mean, if we're planning this out in real life, I'm not sending the Dothraki out like that. Yeah, but again, like I don't think they knew what they were fighting. Uh, no, and I understand this for the bigger narrative to drive that point home exactly just how tough their you know the battle was going to be. But it's it's like whoosh, you're all yeah, gone. Yeah, right off the get go. Your thoughts on the use of the dragons, because there was the ice dragon and then also the two dragons that Jon Snow and Daenerys were on battling off against each other, where the dragons would go ahead and wipe out dozens and dozens of the undead seemingly at will until they were stopped by the ice dragon who created not only the frost breath and all that at the dragons and whatnot, but still also managed to go ahead and, and create the hard-to-see imagery as far as what was going on with all the frost and the smoke going on and, and made it difficult for Daenerys and Jon Snow to see what was going on anywhere else. Your thoughts on the actual dragon battles that were there or the use of the dragons throughout the course of the Battle of Winterfell? Uh, it's kind of disorienting. Like I, I feel like they had some opportunities for some really cool shots there as far as the dragons fighting uh what, what's his, is it viserion i think is the ice dragon you know viserion snow, yeah yeah john snow and daenerys fighting them like that could have been a really cool scene because what what really threw me off about that was they never really go over what the night king's power is besides resurrecting the dead so we didn't know that he could cover the entire battlefield in snow and mist and stuff nobody really knew that they didn't really go over any of that stuff so it, it, I don't know, it felt kind of Kingdom Heartsy, right? So like, let, we need to make s something cool happen. So we're just going to throw this in there, throw that in there. So they had some opportunities for some cool scenes, but they traded some cinematically pleasing scenes for you know that dark and grit, and it's just a, a lot of things could have been handled differently. Still cool, but just not not the route I would go. Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game then check out Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Head to MiracleFruitOil.com and use the promo code MEDIA10 to get $10 off your Vitabrace purchase. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale, Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. I What really didn't make sense to me was when Daenerys lands, right? And all the dead keep piling up on her dragon. And then the dragon just goes away. Like, why would you stay in a battlefield like that? That didn't make any sense to me. So that goes to show maybe if they did it on purpose, maybe she's not the confident leader that she thinks she is. Yeah, that's a good point right there. And we'll have to wait and see how that leads out now that the battle has taken place and all that. But I don't know. I was hoping for a little bit more imagery in regards to the dragons fighting the other dragon, Viserion, and seeing how that intersected with each other. But they decided to go ahead and focus more of the attention on 
the battle that took place down below, which I guess is good, but still, you know, you, you hype up these dragons over the course of how many seasons, and by not being able to fully implement them into the battle as well as a lot of people, including myself, liked, it kind of lessens the importance of the dragons, which to me is kind of disappointing in a way because I was hoping to see more out of the dragons and the dragon battle take place. But hopefully maybe there's another dragon battle coming up near in the future. Although it's just be like the dragons spewing their breath on other soldiers or whatnot because Viserion, unfortunately, is no more at this point. Once the battle really started to get into place and they saw it was kind of like a losing situation outside of Winterfell, there was a major retreat. You know, I guess the, the trench was finally lit after a lot of trouble getting it started. Was there any point in time in the Battle of Winterfell that you thought, hey, I think the dead's going to run over the entire city? Yeah, of course. Like you saw how hard they were fighting and like the dead, they don't hold themselves back like a, like a living soldier would. So they're just swarming them. You know, they're, they're like a swarm of locusts, right? You can't get rid of them. They're infinite. And what's terrifying about that is that as more people are dying, the dead's numbers are increasing. So you go to Winterfell and you see all Daenerys soldiers, you see them like they were pretty numerous and then they start dying and then more of them start rising up. So there really was it was a hopeless battle to begin with. So it was smart to have them all tied to the Night King. Visually, it, it was it was cool to see that, like, because I'm, I'm a huge fan of World War Z. So seeing them pile themselves up against the wall to climb over, that was really cool. Very reminiscent of World War Z. Yeah, yeah. And then you see them you see them die, and then all of a sudden you see them all get back up again. You're like, oh my gosh, what is going to happen here? You know, and I'm just glad they weren't zombies. Like, we don't have to worry about the whole, like, infection storylines and stuff. So I'm just glad that that wasn't a thing. But yeah, at, there, there were points. At, I was actually thinking about that when I saw the Red Lady lighting the, lighting the trenches, and I was wondering... You know why? You know they're dead. Why don't they just? They're going to do something because they're all just standing there. They weren't retreating. Something was going to happen. You knew that something was going to happen, and then it started to happen. And then that's when you started wondering, like, okay, well, if they did that, then obviously they're going to be able to get into the castle by piling themselves up against the wall. And then lo and behold, they did. And what was even a added narrative that I actually kind of liked was halfway through the battle when the numbers started dwindling for the Night King that he could just go ahead and raise the dead of even the soldiers of, of Winterfell, including some of the individuals that we became familiar with that were kind of like, not the top stars per se, but kind of like co-stars or whatnot that got killed in the Battle of Winterfell already. He raised those individuals up to go ahead and start attacking the soldiers. How cool was that point in, as far as the episode is concerned? Yeah, that was cool. What was it? Is Pip, I think was the guy's name. Yeah, but also the the girl, the one that was really shouting the orders or whatnot. Oh, who yeah. Killed the, who killed, I guess, I think that dead troll. Yeah. yeah. So it was the giant. What was weird for me about that was that you see all these people fighting with dragon glass. So she stabs the giant in the eye with the dragon glass and he disintegrates. Everyone else is armed with dragon glass too. So why didn't those bodies disintegrate? So that was kind of weird to me. Wasn't a lot of continuity right there because they all... They were getting killed. They were getting stabbed. They're all fighting with dragon glass, but you weren't seeing the disintegrations happen like you did with the giant. So I'm just curious about why. Why did they stay whole? 
That's true. But I still thought it was a good scene with the Night King. And he has that presence, that aura about him that this guy is just, he's all business and he's going to go ahead and he has one focus on his mind. And it was just cool to see that at the tide, if for a while it looked like there was going to be no hope for the city of Winterfell. And it just looked like it was something that was going to be the battle between Cersei's group and the Battle of the Dead coming up at the end of the series. So the tide was turning for the worse for our heroes and a lot of individuals were getting close to a perilous death. Are you surprised at the lack of a number of big name stars that did not meet an untimely end? Because I think a lot of people had some big names that were actually going to be meeting their demise that didn't. Uh, I mean, it just seemed like uh, there was only one or two that really we have come to know that we're familiar with that actually did meet their demise. But we were thinking there would be a lot more. At least I did anyways. Well, okay, so the two big ones were Jorah and Theon. They've been with us since the beginning of the show. The other ones, Beric Dondarrion, uh, the the little girl, and Pip loses his life. I think that their fates were always tied up in something mystical, right? But I think that with the other characters, you know, we have Clegane and we have most of the Starks are still around, Tyrion Lannister, Jaime Lannister. I think their fates are tied up in the battles of men, right? Which is disappointing because I would have loved to see the Night King invade King's Landing and have Cersei get what she deserves. But I think there's a bigger battle to be had and there's more storylines coming to an end, like what the Clegane Bull everyone's talking about, how he's going to fight his brother in order to give some of these characters the demise that they deserve and all the deaths have been handled very tastefully so far, but in order to give these characters like the full circle in their storylines, they need to have closure on the, the stories where they started, you know, and a lot of these characters started in King's landing that they did my friend that they did. And there is going to be another battle coming up pretty soon in the near future. I can tell already, but we're still talking about the battle of Winterfell and, everything that went on. And another key player in this is Arya. Your thoughts on her perilous plight during the course of the actual battle itself. And there was a moment in time where it was very tense. It was very scary for her because it was her in a very, I guess she had to be very quiet in a, you know, I guess a library setting, trying to evade the growing number of dead trying to go ahead and get her but yeah it was kind of interesting to see that type of chess match that was taking place between where she needed to hide and and where does she needed to navigate through in order to try escape the perilous dead that were right there next to her yeah there's a lot of jumping around because you kind of get what she's saying when she meets up with the red lady right in clegane in that room where they're like you told me i go on to kill many people with brown eyes green eyes and some with blue eyes you don't really fully understand the implications of that until, you know, you see that scene where Theon dies and he's about to kill Bran and then all of a sudden Arya flies out of nowhere. But how did she get there, right? Because wasn't the castle swarming with dead? They don't really elaborate on that. It was a very cool scene, but her fate, you would have never guessed, was tied up in the Night King's demise. And it just, it felt weird to me because we all expected Jon Snow to kill the Night King. So what is going to happen now with that? Well... Okay, so you shot right to the dead, uh, shot right to the ending, which I was trying to say maybe you should. I, I think she was a great candidate for it because she is, the, to me, the most ruthless killer of them all when it comes to the Game of Thrones because she has no conscience as far as, uh, you know, killing anything out there. So 
I think she she was the best choice for it. I think Jon Snow is the easy choice. He's the convenient choice. That's been his big bad through the series has been the Night King. Like his character has up until this point existed purely to kill the Night King. And then he didn't get the opportunity to do that. And that's probably going to eat at him. And that might be a telling narrative throughout the rest of the season. So he may get some sort of redemption through other means. But I thought it was a good curveball to throw in there because she is she, she's a killer, man. She destroyed the house as far as poisoning all the guys that were in that house, you know, that went after the Starks. And what was it season six or season seven? She's ruthless, man. She's ruthless. Uh, and I thought her getting the opportunity to kill the Night King by doing that maneuver with the dragon blade where she drops it right in her other hand. And, he, and she said, I thought that was a very cool way to go ahead and, and surprise audiences there. But the reason why it happened where it happened was the fact that the Night King was going after Bronn. And when it comes down to what happened between the confrontation between the Night King and Bronn, to me, kind of a little anticlimactic because there really wasn't much there outside of some deep staring. And really just, it didn't come out to much other than just a setup for the Night King's ultimate demise, you know, at the hands of Arya. Yeah, that was something it felt like they took some liberties with. He could have killed Bran. Like, they stared at each other for a good, a good two hold on, minutes. Hold on, I'm going to give you the stare. Hold on, Gerald. I'll be right back. I just warped into some crows. I don't know if you knew that, but uh, I can do There that. you go. <laughs> yeah. They stood there staring at each other for a good two minutes. And despite Theon Greyjoy dying, like, it's kind of awkward. The, the stare. I would have at least loved to see them exchange some words. You know, I was expecting something to happen. Maybe get a, a little it's already a long episode but maybe get some backstory or like ha have a, a conversation between the two kind of how how gandalf and, and saruman talk to each other in the tower something along those lines and then all of a sudden you get this scene where Arya's leaping out of nowhere and you see Jon snow doesn't he was he trapped by the dragon he was trapped by the dragon but doesn't he run to try to go save or he's tries he's trying to save brian so it shows him trying to get there and then he gets trapped by the dragon and it because basically it was there the narrative to you know like you said Jon Snow was destined to kill the Night King and the creators and the writers that was their convenient way to say you know what his destiny was not going to be fulfilled yeah but it just makes you wonder why they brought him back to life I'm assuming that he's going to be uh, he, he's now my pick to go ahead and sit on the Iron Throne okay speaking of this you know what would have been interesting if the Night King did attack the Iron Throne what would have happened to the mountain because he's technically dead right so what would have happened how would his powers have affected him that would have been a cool storyline to explore but they didn't do it no and I, i'm sure a lot of other people have little nitpicky things to say like us in regards to certain aspects of the battle of winterfell as well i mean i i think overall it was good i just the brand part as far as the stare down just there was really nothing that came of it and kind of disappointed in that fact basically it just led to a death of a major character who got his own redemption arc in saving Bronn, or at least holding off the night king so that Arya could kill the night king but other than that i mean Bronn being saved by Arya at this point in time there obviously there's going to be setting it up for something in the future with Bronn and how important Bronn still is in regards to the rest of the season of the game of thrones you know, I'm wondering, is he important, though? Because he's the keeper of knowledge, right? That's why the Night King went after him, because he was the the collection of memories and history. 
he sees everything through the Raven. Yeah, he sees everything. So he's a collection of human history. And I think that I know the Night King was going after him because to kill him would mean to kill history itself. Like uh, the you're you're not just killing. Well, I mean, you're not just killing history. You're killing the memories of man. And that's why he's going after Bran. So I'm wondering, like, what part Bran has to play in the coming battle? Because obviously he's not able to fight. And I think he's still like the element of fantasy that will be carried on through the rest of the story. But yeah, I don't know what other part he has to play. And, you know, it shows the in the scenes from the next episode, they're burning the dead and whatnot and then gearing up to fight Cersei. So there's going to be some cool stuff coming up. But I just... I would have loved to see the fantasy stuff take more of a primary role outside of the human against human fights. So it was a battle of Winterfell. It it was obviously a very great cataclysmic battle, and people can say what they want. It was too dark, not enough dragons. What was the deal going on with the Night King and Bronn with, with the stare down? Jon Snow should have killed the Night King instead of Arya. What was going on inside Winterfell with all the inner battles going on there and redemption arcs going on there and who lived and who died. I didn't want this person to die. I wanted this person to die. I wanted this person to live. The whole nine yards. Overall, my friend, do you give a thumbs up or a thumbs down to the Game of Thrones and the Battle of Winterfell? Because I'm going to give it a thumbs up. I think overall it was a lot of what we wanted to see. Some things that we didn't think we would see and there were some drawbacks, but overall, I think it was a good 90 minutes of watching Battle Winterfell. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it was definitely worth watching. And it was it was very intense. I was on the edge of my seat that whole time I was watching that. So it's, it is definitely a good episode. I, they're just, you know, as far as the, the darkness of it, the, you know, the way that it was shot, there are some things that they should have done differently, but it was still a very solid episode. We didn't even mention the hiding in the crypt as far as what went on there and the yeah. and the the actual dead being risen. I think was that the Starks being risen to go ahead and attack everybody mm-hmm. that was hiding. Everybody was expecting Ned Stark to show up. That would have been a funny play on Sean Bean dying in all of his movies. I know, right? His his redemption arc. But no, there all the stuff on the internet they're talking about will the Night King bring the Starks back to life and he only brought a couple of them and you didn't really get to know anything about who they were. That part I would have liked to see more fleshing out because there was heavy rumors that he was going to bring back all the Starks. If an undead Sean Bean would have been part of it, that would have been really kind of cool in a morbid type way. But what can you do? What can you do? And as we look forward to the Battle of King's Landing, which looks like it's looming into the future, I'm excited to see what happens with the rest of the season of the Game of Thrones. What are your thoughts out there on the Game of Thrones Battle of Winterfell? Did you enjoy it like we did? Do you have a lot of issues with it? Or could you even see it at all because it was so dark? Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, coming up next, Josh has a lot of thoughts when it comes to Borderlands 3. We're also going to talk about what's coming up for the Avengers in our minds as far as a big baddie is concerned. And also, 13 Reasons Why comes back into the news. And what's up with Sonic the Hedgehog? We're going to talk about that and more. This is the PCC Multiverse. 
Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. All right, and we're back with the show. It is the PCC Multiverse. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. Borderlands 3, they showed off some real cool gameplay footage the other day, and it was really cool to see where it's going as far as the game is concerned because it is a 2019 release as of this point in time. Your thoughts as a major Borderlands fan, were you excited more about Borderlands 3 after the, I, I guess the trailer did not please. In fact, it didn't please you very much. But after seeing a lot of footage, are you back all in on Borderlands 3? Yeah, it looks really cool. Did you get a chance to watch the gameplay reveal? I did. I did. And it looks really good. I am impressed with it. It isn't just more Borderlands. It seems like it's going to be even more than what I used to know, you know as far as Borderlands is concerned. Well, because everyone's like, this is just going to be another Borderlands 2 or Borderlands 1 or whatever, but it's not. There's so many things that are added. Even just looking at the environments, right? I know a lot of people are mad Claptrap's not voiced by the same person, but you know, you look at the environments, like it's a big graphical increase from what it used to be, you know? And then even the, the fact that you can now, like the barrels that they always have lying around, you can punch those out into the battlefield and then shoot them, or you can move them under the big things where oil falls down to take out multiple guys at once. Like there's a lot of work that went into this game. Even like the the boss fight that they showed in the beginning where you're you're going into that room and all this the you're getting hit by sound waves. Like it's completely different from what it used to be. You're no longer fighting in these tiny areas against these bosses that you can take out within a minute. You're fighting against adaptive AI, like they're smart and they're learning from what you're doing. So it's up to you and your buddies to figure out, oh, I got to flank them. I got to go around this way. And they're still talking in the midst of this battle, which is it's funny. Like the the dialogue is all still there. The writing seems very good. And the way that the like the guns are all hidden in different places, not just chests, right? They're hidden in car trunks or hidden in in boxes and lockers and they're all over the place. It looks fantastic, and it, it seems to have a more bigger narrative to it than it did before. But what I do really think is cool is the fact that you are flying between planets, right? They showed you the video of you on Sanctuary 3, which is your ship, and you you go, you go can walk around and see all the familiar characters. They have Sir Hammerlock and Ellie, and uh, I just I miss Scooter, man. I miss Scooter. But it shows Lilith is leading you, and you're on your mission to go from one planet to the next and they don't actually say what you're doing but i think a majority of this is you're fighting off the cult right they're they're called children of the vault and you're fighting them off and it's it's kind of a theme you know that was used in far cry 5 and it's kind of been used a lot but i'm i'm curious where the twins come in you know we didn't really get a good look at what the the story really is but i'm fascinated man like it it looks it's not just more borderlands like this is an entirely different animal like it almost animation style aside it kind of reminds me of mass effect a little bit but what are your thoughts i think it looks really solid i need to see a little bit more gameplay before i'm 100 percent convinced but i think what i see i like and as someone who enjoyed especially the original borderlands it this looks like it's a great evolutionary step in the right direction for the series and i like also like the fact that they like you said they are using the sanctuary ship to go ahead and shuttle you between 
essentially new levels, you know, going from one level to another. Instead, they're going from one planet to another. Instead of just going ahead and traversing one planet and just going to one area here and one area there and one area there, they're making it a little bit more, almost like Destiny in a way, where they're traveling from one planet to another. But it looks like it's a more fun aspect. And as long as that witty dialogue is there and, and there's a decent narrative to go ahead and compel you through, I think this will be a fine addition into the Borderlands stable. I really like Sir Hammerlock's trophy room, right? So he was saying, you do the quest for Sir Hammerlock, you got to go to the different planets, track down the different creatures, and eventually that room is filled up with your trophies. So you can kind of see... It's just a cool mark of progress. And then you go to your quarters, right? And as the game progresses and you get collectibles and stuff, you're basically decorating your own room. So that's a very, very cool aspect of this game. I'm just curious, like, what is the narrative thread that's going to weave all this together, the planet jumping and all that stuff? Because before you're just on Pandora, right? So it's, you go into one zone, get a bunch of quests, go into another zone, get a bunch of quests, move on. But now you have, you're dealing with multiple planets and multiple possibilities. So it looks like you're going to have your work cut out for you, right? And the guy said if you beeline the game or mainline the game or whatever, you could play it in 30 hours. But nobody ever mainlines a Borderlands game, right? Because you can't help but go explore all the nooks and crannies get all the side quests do all that and it just looks like it has hours of fun i do want to talk about the trolls though they are driving me nuts man did you see the comments going off during the borderland stream yesterday well when greg miller and them were talking no no i didn't get a chance to what were the comments on it they're just saying steam 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 like the video game community is one of the most toxic communities i have ever seen it's these people who go around you know, we're going to plan review bombs, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And what's funny is that these people are all into these games that are now looking at the Epic Store as an option, right? So you see the way that Pitchford handled the review bombs of Borderlands on Steam. And he's like, well, this makes me glad that we did go with Epic as an exclusive for the first six months. Because if this is the way that they're handling their clients, then this is not something that we want to be a part of. You know, there are other comments on there going, this looks like an Apex Legends wannabe. And it's these kids that didn't grow up playing Borderlands. You know, they're new to video games. so They don't really know what's going on, which is weird because, if anything, Apex Legends is a Borderlands knockoff. So I don't know, man. I just I don't like the video game community anymore. I love playing video games, but I almost like don't like to get online and talk about them at all. I don't blame you because over the course of time, being on multiplayer for what? Now, over 20 years, realistically, you've been able to communicate and play against others. And unfortunately, you've had the chance to interact with a lot of others. Sometimes it's positive, but a lot of times it's also been very negative. I mean, the stigmas are out there as far as you going online, somebody talking some smack or somebody talking some trash. And it goes well beyond that into a personal nature and people just acting stupid and saying really dumb things. And this goes along with that for a game that's not even out yet. So... Why even go ahead and start planning a review bomb of it or just go ahead and talking trash about it? Because the game hasn't even come out yet. That's not even probably the final build of the game that they were even playing. So it doesn't make any real sense why people are getting so upset over a game that is not even finished yet and not even released out to the general public. Right. And it, it's just annoying. You're not doing anything. You're just being annoying. You're not really accomplishing anything. And they know that it's just the power of the Internet, right? The Internet gives voices to people who don't need to have voices. And if they did not have a keyboard, they probably wouldn't be talking. And it's just it really annoys me because you look at Borderlands as such 
it's such a great game. It's so immersive and hours of fun to play with your buddies. It goes far outside the realms of Apex Legends or Fortnite and stuff like that. And it's really, to me, like it's a staple of video game culture. And these people are sitting there trying to ruin something that they don't play, they don't plan on playing, and they don't have the ability to make something like this themselves. And that's what really gets me is that they're just being annoying because they can. And that's the whole troll culture. And it's something that needs to needs to end. It does need to end. It does need to stop and go away. But unfortunately, right now in our current environment, it's here to stay. And unfortunately, it's probably here to stay for, for a while longer. But it is Borderlands 3. It looks like it's you know pretty solid. I'm getting intrigued about it. I know Josh is already on board. And when it comes out later this year, I believe it's a September release. Everybody that is a hardcore gamer that has fond memories of Borderlands are going to have all their eyes focused on when Borderlands 3 hits consoles and the PC and all that good stuff later on this year. What are your thoughts out there on Borderlands 3? Do you like it like Josh and I do? Are you really into it? Are you excited for Borderlands 3 coming up? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. While Avengers Endgame is still shattering records going into its second weekend, we're still excited for it. A lot of people are still going ahead and seeing it. There is a definite possibility it could reach $2 billion by early next week. It's just, my goodness, man, it's still just doing so well. And there's a great, great admiration for what's going on there and with Avengers Endgame and, and what went on. And we are going to go a little bit into spoiler territory again here when it comes to Avengers Endgame. So you might want to turn it to the last part of our show if that's the case and you haven't watched as of yet because we're going to talk about what could possibly be in the future for the Marvel Cinematic Universe because at the end of Avengers Endgame, guess who gets the Kansas song, Dust in the Wind? This time it's Thanos and the Black Army and the Shintari and all the bad guys meet their demise. So that leads me into another general question as far as the future for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Who is the next big baddie that can carry the weight and do it as successfully as Thanos? There are some options, but as a comic book guru of Pop Culture Cosmos, I'd like to hear your thoughts on where they could go from here. Well, the next logical choice would be Galactus, right? Because they're going more into the cosmic side of the Marvel Universe, and they just acquired the heroes or and villains that would make it possible and they're going they're diving into an eternals flick right and the eternals are kind of at the the center of the cosmic side of the marvel cinematic universe and let's not forget like the whole thing where they talk about the trimmers in in the ocean right and we're talking about namor so we're getting into the more you know ancient and origin specific points of uh meta humans in the marvel cinematic universe so naturally no more could be someone that could be just beyond a uh a one movie or singular movie type baddie could you think he could end up being like a loki or do you think he'd actually be powerful enough to be someone as feared as thanos i don't think that he's going to be a bad guy but like he is the center of the meta human existence in the marvel cinematic universe he was the very first one it started with him and so it would be interesting to see how that plays out. How what kind of is he going to be a villain? Is he going to be a hero? Is he going to be an anti-villain? What's he setting things up for? But you know, and also the Eternals on the other side of that too. Like you have the 
I think they're one of them, the floating head from nowhere, right? Like he was once an Eternal. I'm pretty sure Galactus was an Eternal. And there's all these things going on and all these loose threads. And it just be, I'm wondering how they're all going to come together because we need, you need a big bad. Like I, I know it, we like to have these centralized stories and that's fine and that's good. But if you're going to have ensemble films, you need a big bad. You need something to weave them all together something else to threaten the universe and to me it seems like galactus is the next best choice especially with silver surfer back in the the marvel arsenal i agree with you galactus could be the next choice there was also dormammu dormammu could have that type of power but i think after being utilized in doctor strange i don't see him being used in much more than another singular movie type deal like another doctor strange they kind of made a joke out of him. Yeah, because he got tricked by Doctor Strange. Yeah, so he he's dead. Like he's intimidating in the comic books for sure. But yeah, it feels like they kind of made a joke out of him. But I'm wondering too, like Adam Warlock. They were showing the egg in Guardians of the Galaxy too, right? Or the the pod. Adam Warlock. It was a lot stronger than Thanos. Also, he's powerful enough to wield the Infinity Gauntlet. He could be a big bad, but that just that wouldn't be as epic per se is having you know galactus who destroys planets exactly i think that imagery of galactus like you said destroying a planet is probably the closest thing that marvel could do in essence to reprising that type of excitement that type of enthusiasm that we as viewers had for the avengers trying to stop thanos Galactus seems like the most likely individual that viewers would come back for in droves to go ahead and see the Avengers face off again. And I know the team is going to reshape and reform as far as whatever the new Avengers is going to come by. And there's also the A-Force. There's also the Young Avengers. That could be real possibilities coming up in the future. When 10 years down the line, there is going to be another major Avengers event most likely 10 years i'm just guessing that per se and it could be against like you said a galactus will it be as cataclysmic and will it be as as i guess a just a huge event as what we saw with thanos and the avengers this time around yeah it would have to be because galactus is not trying to wipe out a popular he he doesn't care he doesn't want to save half the population he's just trying to destroy planets he needs to consume planets in order to stay alive. So if you have a villain that's very life depends on him snuffing life, imagine how interesting that would be, how the routes of storytelling you can go through. You have an opportunity to, to play the Sentry, Silver Surfer, Nova. You have so many cool heroes that could be out there. And you know, even if you wanted to go use Phoenix, right? Phoenix is an ancient power source also. They have the X-Men now, so they can do that. There's so many cool routes of storytelling they can go through and meanwhile you know back on earth they got namor so what if namor is somehow linked to the eternals in the marvel cinematic universe where he was sent to earth and he's kind of like the the seeds of metahumans on earth kind of in the same way that you know the big bald aliens were in prometheus right when he disintegrates himself into the water maybe that was something namor was responsible for who knows like there are so many interesting things they can do with that there is a lot of places they can go with that. There's a lot of things that they can do to go ahead and shape that narrative. And I hope they follow the lessons that served them so well when it came to building the legend of Thanos and the mythos that ultimately got him to the point where a lot of people were wondering, what is Thanos going to do? And 
that they feared Thanos was going to be a major threat to the Avengers. And it certainly played out that way when it came to the Infinity War. And unfortunately, he got his demise. Well, actually, fortunately for viewers, per se, he got his demise during the course of the events of Avengers Endgame. And it seems this time around, though, my friend, I think if Galactus does start an army and has an army that battles with him and whatnot, make it more threatening because the Shintari and the Black Order and everything else, including the new type of creatures that were introduced in Endgame that were battling against the Avengers, none of them seemed like a real threat. It just seemed like Thanos himself was the only threat to the Avengers and being able to go ahead and, and dominate them in, in any way, shape, or form. It seemed like everybody else just like was was just put to the wayside really easily. Well, you know, we've we've already had that death scene, right? So we would need they would need to kill off more major heroes in order for that to, to really top the last one. It, we we need to have multiple deaths, but they would have to be purposeful deaths. So you have this big battle scene, nobody's getting hurt because you you know they're only gonna kill one or two people maybe but the what i really liked about endgame was this was the first time the marvel cinematic universe felt like it had consequences these characters had something on the line you know whether it's their life or somebody they love or whatever it might be that was the first time that's ever really been explored in a movie like this so in order to really top what they did they would have to go further into that concept of these are heroes and they can die and that's something, you know, it's, it's, it's why Game of Thrones works, right? Because they kill off their main characters and you don't know who's going to die next. So if they were to go that route, still they can still keep the cheeky comedy, but have consequences, have there be a big battle, have people lose their lives, like make it so it doesn't feel like you're watching it for no reason. Well, let's hope Kevin Feige and the rest of Marvel has another deeper story arc that launches over the course of many films and that in five ten years down the line we will see the fruition of those series of films because it's going to take time to build up that enthusiasm that interest from the majority of the viewing public at large to get into these films once again as we see a captain marvel 2 a doctor strange 2 black panther 2 shang chi the eternals guardians of the galaxy volume 3 Black Widow, and all these other movies that are either on the slate or what's new and added in there, hopefully it will create another situation where there's a big domineering force that will try to reign supreme once again, like Thanos did in a good portion and a good story arc of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What are your thoughts out there on another force being the major impetus of the Marvel Cinematic Universe going forward? Who do you think will be that entity that will be the major threat to the way of life for not only the Avengers, but the universe as a whole. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, coming up after the break, we're going to be talking about 13 Reasons Why and a little blue hedgehog that may look a little too blue, but we'll talk about that more coming up here in a sec. This is the PCC Multiverse. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. 
Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. It's the PCC Multiverse. If you need a listing of where we're at, because we're being played all around the world, including adding new options like Podcoin, iHeartRadio, and so much more, check out our listings today. That's now available on our Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page. That's going to be there because it gives you a listing of all of our radio stations, plus many of our podcast options, including Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Bullhorn, and so many other different podcast options as well. My friend, you've got a great thing going on with Humanic Media. So what's coming up with everything going on with your great experience known as Humanic Media? Uh, we got a new Topic Ocalypse drop, and we did our own in-game discussion, so that'll be going up either today Without or Without me? That's not nice. Well, we only have so many microphones, man. So many microphones. That's not nice. <laughs> So we discussed, and you know, I'm all discussed out when it comes to Avengers Endgame. <laughs> Beating it to death by now, and uh, I'm ready to move on to the next big pop culture phenomenon. But yeah, you can tune into that. That'll be up either today or tomorrow. And just uh, keep following us on the old social media pages. And that's going to be Topic Ocalypse, available on all major podcast outlets. So before we head on out, a couple quick topics to talk about, my friend. 13 Reasons Why came up in the news once again because there was a study that came out that said people that are watching it, especially young viewers that are watching 13 Reasons Why, that there's a certain point in the series where they are more apt to go ahead and commit acts upon themselves, such as suicide, and hurt themselves in some form or fashion. Netflix quickly countered back and said if they get through the entire season, that they'll be less likely to go ahead and commit harm to themselves, which, you know, you've had, you've shared some thoughts in the past on 13 reasons why all I can say is, you know, Netflix has come back to the study that was put out there in regards to 13 reasons why I'm not sure is a great one because it just tells you if you survive watching 13 reasons why you'll want to commit suicide less. Uh, I don't know, man, this is a tough issue to tackle. I know you shared some thoughts about it at the time of its release originally. I think it was in 2017 on 13 Reasons Why. So I want to hear your thoughts, man, now that it's back in the news on why 13 Reasons Why is still in the news and you know the issue of suicide, whether it makes fun of it, whether it dramatizes it, or whether it really tries to help an audience that truly needs a lot of help and support. No, no. Netflix, they're not able to look at it objectively. They're making money off of it. They're getting subscriptions for that show. So they're not able to look at this objectively. And they don't realize that this stuff really does affect people. The guy that wrote the book, they're not even his experiences, right? It was based off of an experience that someone told him one day. So you have all these people profiting off of death, right? Like as someone who does have mental health issues, like I, I can say for sure that like this type of thing is dangerous because it does stick in people's minds and you you never know when you're going to watch something you're going to absorb it and your thoughts are going to be stuck on that it needs to be talked about it needs to be discussed but it doesn't need to be done through a netflix show and i know i've discussed this many times and i will continue to do so but netflix 
they're denying these this research that's gone out, but they're denying it because they're making money off of it. Like if I were making money off of people eating cheeseburgers and a study came out that said cheeseburgers are bad, I would be saying, well, they have the choice whether or not they want to watch it because I wouldn't be able to look at it objectively, right? Because it's putting money in my wallet. Newsflash, cheeseburgers aren't really that good for you. Well, I mean, they taste pretty good. Fun fact, for people trying to recruit people into veganism, John Wayne died with three pounds of meat in his stomach and a bourbon in his hand, and he seemed pretty happy. So just just chew on that for a while. I'm not going to go there. Anyways, like you said, 13 reasons why while you're watching the episodes glorify the traumatic experience known as suicide. And from what I've heard, that there is a tendency for people to go ahead and say, hey, you know what? Oh, well, look at what happened. This person committed suicide and he was thoughtfully remembered. And I want to be thoughtfully remembered. So I'm going to go ahead and do that too. And there is that thought that's there with some young teenagers that are watching 13 Reasons Why or kids watching 13 Reasons Why. To me, that's kind of scary. As a parent of two teenagers now, and I have to come to that realization real quickly here, that this is something I don't think I want my kids watching because of the fact that I don't want any point in time when they're upset with life or anything like that to even go that route because it's just a hard realization that's out there that there are many kids out there taking their own lives and whether because of bullying, whether because of shame, whether because of sadness or, or despair in their life, they're just not able to handle and cope in the way that they should and, and suicide is not the answer. And hopefully anyone out there that is thinking about it or, or contemplating out there and does not have the family or support that they think they need in their lives, please just call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-TALK. There are experts there that will be glad to talk to you and, and hopefully you can get yourself back into a good centered place and and not go the route of, of what was described and what was shown in 13 Reasons Why. I mean, I know Netflix says, yeah, if you survive and watch through the entire season, you're going to be better off and, and not go ahead and, and, and be less likely to commit suicide. But unfortunately, you have to watch the episodes. And if you don't make it through the episodes or if you feel like there's no way out by the time you're watching episode three or four, it really doesn't matter at that point. Again, if you need that number, it's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And that's 1-800-273-8255. Share us your thoughts out there on 13 Reasons Why and the controversy surrounding it. Do you think it's a good thing that it's represented in the way it is? Do you think it's a deterrent to suicide or do you think it's something that supports the suicide cause? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Before we head on out, my friend, Sonic the Hedgehog, a scary-looking hedgehog and a 90s Jim Carrey is not a great mixture for a very good movie coming up. I'm actually not bothered by this at all. I, it's, it's one of those movies where it's a kid's movie, and we have these grown-up babies complaining about everything. Oh, the teeth are too human, or the eyes look weird, or I don't like the way the hair looks. Everyone just needs to shut up and let it be what it's going to be. It already looks better than Super Mario. And if you don't plan on seeing the movie, you don't really deserve a saying it. Obviously, Sega signed off on it, so there must be something to it. But it's not made for adults. It's made for kids, right? It's made to entertain children. And I think we'll see when the rating comes out if it's made for kids. Yeah, we'll see. But I mean, it just it looks like it's it is aware of itself. And that's the important thing. So uh, I don't know. What do people expect from a Sonic the Hedgehog movie? Like, I love how they had 
they showed that clip, right? And it showed the mushrooms from the mushroom hill zone. A lot of these people, they just, it's again, goes back to the toxicity of the, the internet and troll culture. It just needs to just let it go. If it fails, it fails. Nobody really wanted a Sonic the Hedgehog movie anyways, but just let it be what it's going to be. Well, Josh, it looks like the public outcry has worked because director Jeff Fowler announced today that there will be a redesign on the way for Sonic the Hedgehog before it comes out later this year to theaters. But man, that's Sonic the Hedgehog. He's, he's scary looking, man. He's, he's truly scary looking. What are your thoughts out there on Sonic the Hedgehog? Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com and all of our social media here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's been a great show, my friend. A lot of great talk between you and I. Any last thoughts on the way out? Last night, I started diving into the Fate of Atlantis DLC on Assassin's Creed. And you know how we were talking about how they never do a good job of wrapping up like the modern story of what's going on in Assassin's Creed at the end of the games? They go back to it this time. So obviously, Ubisoft's listening to what the fans want. And I'm excited to see where this goes. But I'm just hoping that it helps pave the way for more modern gameplay in the assassin's creed franchise but like i said i just started it so i don't really know where it's going keep us updated on where you're at with it and let us know if you continue those thoughts or if it goes into another direction so for josh peterson this is gerald glassford it's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pcc multiverse we thank you for listening and here's hoping you have yourself a great day. enjoy TV shows, movies, video games, comics, or novels? Do you enjoy listening to people discuss geeky topics without getting bent out of shape when they disagree? If you do, then the 42 Cast is right for you. We're a podcast with a rotating cast of guests that discusses a new topic every week. You can find us on Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Google Play, or 42cast.com. You can also support us and the entire ESO Network by going to patreon.com slash ESO Network. That's the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.